Welcome to an NRL.com season preview podcast. Today we are covering the New Zealand Warriors. My name is Chris Kennedy and I'm very lucky to have with me all the way from New Zealand, from Sky Sport New Zealand, Goran Paladin. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, Chris, no problem at all, mate. Happy to help. Well, uh, yeah, like I said, thanks for being here. We're going to chat some Warriors. Um, I wanted to start off just um, talking about, I don't want to you know, go too far into it because it's sort of been done to death, but living away from home, living out of suitcases, being away from the family, being in the bubble, you know, everyone's second team, I think, in, in 2020, everyone was impressed with how resilient they were getting, you know, staying in that that hunt for the, the top eight pretty much through the season until the last couple of rounds. News this year that it's going to be uh, five weeks at least until they're, they're back home again. Just curious on, on your thoughts as to is this going to stand them in good stead? Are they going to be fatigued by it? If it does drag on, is that going to derail the season or are we going to see more of what we saw last year and that, that real resilience kicking in? I reckon it's going to hold them in really good stead. Last year, I think you'd agree, Chris, a lot of things were thrown at this team. Uh, there was the the suspension of the competition after two rounds. Before that, they had to make the call whether they played the round two match against the Canberra Raiders, and they did that. Uh, when they returned, they were, I guess, made a, a bunch of promises about getting family over and for a number of players, including the captain, Roger Tuivasa-Sheck, that didn't actually happen. They lost their coach after round six when they got flogged. Um, they had Todd Payton come in. They needed loan players, a plenty. I mean, this is this is nothing new. We've heard it all before. But I suppose the point I'm trying to get to is that all of that contributes to the fact that they are so well prepared for season 2021. They've got a, a new coach in Nathan Brown, who's not under the same pressure or scrutiny as his predecessor was, Stephen Kearney, as he headed into season 2020. Of course, you might remember in 2019, the Warriors basically blew chunks. And so Kearney was under pressure from the get-go when they didn't get results. Even though the situation was a difficult one, the Warriors club had to make the call. They had to get rid of him. So they don't have that kind of pressure on their new head coach. They do have their families over there with them on the Central Coast. I understand that a number of them are, you know, kids are enrolled in daycare and schools. They're in it for the long haul. They've got that familiarity. Uh, so it's not just rugby league 24-7 for the players. And so that will mean that the likes of Ken Malmalo, David Pusatua, who left the team last year to come home for family and, and personal reasons, they will stay put. And, uh, you know, you, you mentioned the likes of Lisa and Armao. You know, like there are three guys, Malmalo, Pusatua and Armao, who barely featured in last year's campaign. They get them back in 2021. They're almost like new players for them, players yeah. that they didn't have at their disposal last year. And then, of course, you put in the mix these monsters, the, the Tong and Tucson of <laughs> Benua Blake and Murdoch Masila. We've been waiting for Murdoch Masila for a while. I think his signing was announced back in like 2019 or something like that. <laughs> it's been a long time coming, Chris, but we finally get access to him. And yeah, I think all things considered, it puts the Warriors in a really good space, even though they're based in Australia and we don't know for how long. I reckon they'll do pretty well. Yeah, fair bit to unpack there. I wanted to touch on the coach side of things, which you mentioned on obviously rattled the group a bit when Stephen Kearney was moved on. We saw Todd Payton uh, take over in an interim sense. And um, I think he did a, a really good job. It's hard to know how much of that resilience and, and improved performance was down to Todd Payton. He's obviously gone to the Cowboys and Nathan Brown has come in. You mentioned Brown probably not under quite the same intense scrutiny and focus from, from day dot that, that Payton was. But um, what, what changed? 
damage is that going to have on the group? Is losing Peyton after what he achieved, is that going to sort of set them back a little bit or what can we expect from Nathan Brown? Yeah, well, I, I was fortunate enough to sit down with Nathan Brown, I think a little bit before Christmas, before he um, headed off and, and joined up the two squads because, of course, they were, they were training. Uh, they had a base in Australia and a base in New Zealand. And um, he's really calm and measured. And he's come a long way since the Trent Barrett slap. I'll tell you that. <laughs> I tried to ask him about it and he was like, you know, I've, I've learned from my mistakes. So I think you've got a, a Nathan Brown, you've got a, a, almost a two-decade coach because he took the reins at the Dragons so young. I think he was 29 when he was first placed in charge. Um, and yeah, while the, the players will have formed a connection with Todd Payton because previously he was an assistant coach to Steve Kearney, um, I think they understand that it was just a short-term thing. Let's all buy in and, and you know band together for the season that we've got in front of us in 2020. And then who knows what happens after that. Um, you know, it's, it's a thing about professional sport. You know, it doesn't matter if you've signed a contract or what. It can easily be ripped up or you can walk out on it or, or whatever. So um, I think the players know this. And while they may have been disappointed about Kearney's departure, they may have been even more disappointed about Todd Payton's departure, given the improved results once he took the reins. I'm sure they're looking forward to working under Nathan Brown. And, um, yeah, in the, in the conversation I had with him, um, I, I got the feeling that, he, he knew exactly what he wanted. He wants the Warriors to be consistent. And I'm sure the players and the fans, they, they, they're crying out for a, a consistent Warriors. We haven't seen that for many years. Absolutely. And the, the team changes you touched on. Um, interesting point. It, it is sort of like a bunch of new recruits in Fusatua, Mamalo, Lisa Nami, Bunty Afoa hardly played last year, but they've got some actual new recruits on top of that. The, the Tongan two, some you mentioned, Fenua Blake and Murdoch Masila. Then, you know, Bailey Sirenen comes across from the Rabbitohs. You and Aitken into the centres from the Dragons. Uh, Kane Evans, Marcelo Montoya, Sean O'Sullivan. There's quite a few new faces around the joint. Can you see this sort of rejigged squad being stronger than what we saw last year? Yeah, 100%. Uh, I, I like the addition of the Tongan Tucson um, and Kane Evans as well from Parramatta. Uh, it, it, what it does is it gives the, the squad, the Ford pack, just a variation in body types. And I think for a wee while, the, the Warriors pack has maybe been guilty of having almost like a stock standard style Ford. They're all like Ignatius Parsi or Bunty Afar, you know, short, stocky, and I suppose defensive lines get used to tackling that kind of frame but now we're seeing like monsters like the the Tongans and Kane Evans he's a he's a tall drink of water and you mix that in with uh you know the, the likes of Jazz Tavanga the junkyard dog you know he's just a little chihuahua but he'll, he'll nip around your ankles and and give you all kinds of grief and I think all that contributes to confusing the defensive line so I, I like I like the look of the Ford pack I think one of the things that Australian journos and, and commentators have been guilty of in, in recent history is saying that, oh, you know, the Warriors have got a massive pack. Well, they haven't had a big pack. You know, when it stacks up to what other clubs have had at their disposal, they've been like one of the smallest packs in the, in the competition. But now I think you can genuinely say all those journos and commentators <laughs> go nuts in 2021 and say they're as massive as they are because they genuinely are big. And, you yeah. know, some of the other guys, Chris, that you mentioned, um, Montoya and Aitken, you know, we, we've got depth in the back line all of a sudden and really good quality players that have come in. We lost Patrick Herbert to the Gold Coast Titans. 
in comes Ewan Aitken, who's the guy who's played six seasons for the Dragons on the verge of representative honours. Maybe didn't have his best season last year, but I'm quite confident that in in a, in a camp that has a positive vibe and they're going in the right direction, he'll he'll rediscover the form that he that he once had. Just uh, before we move on from the, the forward pack, we talked about all the new faces, but guys like Eliezer Katoa and Jermaine Tanoa-Brown, real breakout stars of, of 2020. So it's, uh, like you said, it's a, a really well-rounded pack, a few different body shapes, a few different styles, some varying levels of experience as well. Yeah, and um, I'm glad you mentioned those two guys because I feel like, you know, really early on in their NRL first-grade careers, they took on so much responsibility last year. Um, they didn't have... The, the senior players around them, they were forced into starting roles probably earlier than the, what the club and what they themselves would have liked. And now in their second season, they get to rely on the strengths of, of others. And so they can just set about their own business, if you like, trying to figure out what first grade rugby league is all about. I mean, Elias Katoa, I think he'd barely played rugby league. And then all of a sudden he's, he's playing first grade for the Warriors. Like what, how does this happen? So with the likes of Murdoch Masilla, with Fanua Blake, Torhu Harris, you know, all these senior guys who have been there, done that, they can they can allow Jermaine and Aliasa and other youngsters to just um, find their feet. Yeah, I, uh, I interviewed Elias Katoa after, I think it was a round three game or round four last year up at Gosford, and he was like... How did that go? It was it was good, actually. He seems a really good young kid, but he was like, that was my 16th game of rugby league ever of any level like I'd only played rugby and then he missed a whole year in the, the 20s with injury and he'd only played so it was, it was literally sort of less than two dozen rugby league games at, at any level and he's come in and just been that good um, straight away so the, the sky's the limit for Katoa um, before we wrap up Roger Tuovasashek big news um, that he's going to be departing the club chasing his rugby union dream is probably now or never um, given his age if he wants to actually have a, a career in rugby union um, he's certainly given some some wonderful service to the the Warriors but is this going to unsettle them what's the mood like within New Zealand about this decision uh, I think the vast majority of people they've understood that this has been on Roger's radar for quite some time his um, his hopes and dreams of one day playing for the All Blacks and, and winning a World Cup with them and so it's not like they think, oh, he's walked out on, on the Warriors and abandoned his, his contract. It's, it's almost like we wish him well. And, yeah. um, but on the, uh, in the same breath, it's kind of like, well, this might be the last opportunity the Warriors have to actually have a full-on tilt at the title. Warriors fans always say, oh, this is our year, almost sarcastically or in a joking <laughs> manner, you know, as the, the season begins. But... I mean, this could really be the Warriors' year. When you look at the acquisitions they've made, where you've got RTS's final season, he'll be comfortable over there with his family around him. Um, you, you don't know what the future holds for a number of the players. Obviously, we know that RTS is on his way out to, to Rugby Union. But Torhu Harris, what does the future hold for him? Will he sign on for another season with the Warriors? What about Cody Nikarima in the halves? So I think when people say it's the Warriors year. It's almost a case of like, it's now or never. This is our best opportunity <laughs> to win the NRL title, go, go deep in the playoffs and, and cause some mischief. Because um, if you lose RTS in 2022, if Torhu doesn't sign on and you're looking for a new halfback, who knows what, what could happen? 
we've got to wrap it up, but I, we haven't really talked about the playmakers at all, but you've got Cody Nicarima, like you said, Chanel Harris-Tavita and Wade Egan, along with Tuabasa Shek. Is that a, a playmaking roster that's going to get the job done, do we think? I I like, obviously, RTS. He's a fantastic player, former Delhi M winner. I like Cody Nicarima and Chanel Harris-Tavita. You've got the right foot, left foot kicking option there. And Chanel just continues to grow into first grade with the the more opportunities that he, that he gets. Um, Cody, senior pro, been around the traps a long time. My one issue is at hooker. Um, and, yeah. and, you know, you need a good hooker to take advantage of all the damage that the Warriors pack are going to do up front. Is Wade Egan the guy? Carl Lawton, he's, he's out injured for pretty much the entire season after doing his Achilles in preseason. Yeah. Um, and behind Wade Egan, I suppose... Your options are maybe shifting Cody Nicarima into nine, putting Paul Turner in with with Chanel and the halves. Don't know about that. Well, then what do you do? Uh, Jazz Tavanga could probably fill a spot at nine, but it's not his preferred position. He, I think he's gone on record in the past saying that I actually hate playing nine. So yeah. Wade Egan, for me, he needs to prove himself and he needs to be an 80-minute hooker. That's the only positional concern that I can see when I look at the Warriors squad as a whole. All right, that's um, some fantastic insights. We'll finish up with a prediction. Uh, what do you think the Warriors are going to do this year? All right, uh, Warriors will make the top eight, yep. and they they may even crack the top six, pushing on the door of the top four. And at some stage, when vaccinations are rolled out, uh, my, my dream is to see... Uh, the Warriors back at Mount Smart Stadium hosting a game because can you imagine how good that's going to be mm. when we can't even fit as many people into that stadium <laughs> as we would like? We're going to need all the tiered seating in Australasia to uh, accommodate all those buttocks. Well, I hope we see it sooner rather than later. Goran Paladin, thank you so much for joining us on the Emerald.com podcast. Thanks for your insights. All the best. 